episode 55 of the Metro Fan TV rundown coming to you live on the eve of Decision Day. Hey, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, we go to Nashville with our destiny in our hands for a playoff spot. What will that look like come sun come Sunday, a night? Well, only God knows. It's only uh, Ian Juan here today. How are you, Juan, on the uh, eve of this, uh, you know, momentous occasion? Oh well, it's still Friday over here, so we have one day more. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna relish, I'm gonna relish this time before then. Are you gonna sing some Les Mis for us now with that? Get it? Oh, one day I, more. I, <laughs> I, I forgot that I've seen Les Mis once. I think at a community theater in Miami, Florida. Was it the best? I'm gonna say no, but <laughs> I would say yes, actually, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, yeah, it was think, pretty good. I. Not even like earnestly. I feel like Les Mis is one of those things that like uh, you can sh- kind of shit post through, you know. Oh yeah. Like like only only losers take this shit seriously. Like oh yeah. I think one of the teachers who was like chaperoning, he was like had his iPod in, and we're like like what are you listening to? And he's like oh, I'm listening to Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way you go, man. That's the way you do it. Like 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 uh, you think a uh, Jimmy from like a uh, some like a uh, what. Jimmy from the local high school is a better singer than Eddie Van Halen. Now nah, fuck that, man. <laughs> I'm listening to Jump like ten times out of ten. Like not, not... <laughs> <laughs> See, so how this is Miami. Like I anticipate, like the guy's probably like a former like washed guy who like played bass in like a in like a glam rock band that had like maybe three singles and then were released. <laughs> maybe he was. I went to a Catholic school and he was like a deacon. But he also owned a motorcycle, so you might not be far off of what kind of vibe he was going for. All right. Like, he also yeah, listened to. He also loved. Uh, he also loved Pink Floyd and loved making jokes related to Pink Floyd, even though these teenagers don't know who Pink Floyd are. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, uh, yeah, he was in Motley Crue before before they got famous, you know. Right. The the Pete Best of Motley Crue, if you will. <laughs> that's that's kind of a fate. That's kind of dire, actually, if you really think yeah. about it. Jesus More Christ. like Pete Worst. All right, we have to talk about this this team, the New York Red Bulls. Um, well, <laughs> I was trying to angle for a sausage joke, but you know, um, you know, yes. Let's let's move away from uh, let's move away from this now. <laughs> Whatever this is, yes. Let's let's talk about soccer, like we uh, like we begrudgingly do on this podcast, right? We talk about soccer on this podcast. And, uh, you know, I think uh, the situation going into uh, this Sunday's game against Nashville, right, what has got us here is a last gas win against Montreal at home off of a Patrick Klimala cross that was headed back across goal by Caden Clark and being put into the net by by Fabio, right? Bagged us that 1-0 win, last gasp. And, uh, you know, like probably the world's most frustrating 0-0 draw against Atlanta at home in our home closer, right? Which was also the last game for a certain Fernando Ruiz. Congratulations, Petrino, on your retirement from everybody here. Uh, but that being said, we still have business to do, right? We still got business to do. And, uh, you know, I think uh, if we're going to be getting there, you know, uh, the fact of the matter is, is um, going into a game against Atlanta with a team that was bunkering hard, right, most of the game, right? Yeah. Trying to do everything within their power to prevent chances from being created 
right? And to, and to run down the clock. And to run down the clock, right? I, I haven't seen such a pure, like, uh, manifestation of Catenaccio in a very, very long time, <laughs> right? But that seems to be what Atlanta's game plan was going to be. This kind of bodes for playoff scenarios, right, where you have teams that are trying to defend some kind of lead, right, going into a second leg and are just going to bunker down and prevent, basically focus on frustrating chances rather than going forward to attack, like say at a home tie, right? Same, same scenario, right? And I think it's in that way, it was a test for that kind of scenario. The deal is, is that I think with some better finishing, right, that that was a test that we could have passed. Yeah. Right. And the deal is, as we've said many times in recent weeks, right, the book on this team is is that we won't necessarily give up a lot of goals, right? But ties are only going to get you so far, right? When it comes to trying to put out, um, you know, um, trying to string together a run of results, right? And uh, for the most part, it can be a case where, you know, for this Red Bull team in particular, all you need is one goal to get a result. But the deal is, is that you have to kind of like a, even in this last game, right? Trying to, even in these last two games, I should say, laboring to get that one goal that you needed has been kind of laborious, right? These chances kind of, these chances are coming, but we're not taking them, so to say, right? It's either we're being let down by a final ball, we're being let down by the lack of anybody who's been capable of playing in our strikers with any regularity. But it's also down to, uh, I gotta say, I mean, like uh, some, a lack of clinicality, right? A lack of better word. What are the chances that come by? But that being said, you know, I mean, the very fact, I think that being said, um, it, 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 it's, um, it comes down more, right? I think to this idea of constant chance generation, right? While we're seeing an uptick in that, right in recent games like we're still not really seeing it with any regular like as regularly as as we'd like i think and that kind of points to me with a bit of incong like a with the incongruity and attack that still remains right i mean we have to remember that this is not necessarily plan a right this formation that we've uh, chanced upon in the second half not not chanced upon but this formation that we devised in the second half of the season this isn't plan a right we did not recruit the players to play this necessarily play the system going into the season with the because the assumption here is that we'd be playing a diamond with two shot lawyers and uh you know the wide players kind of tucking in and serving as like a you know a link in the attacking third right but now with the four two three one where you're kind of playing like two central midfielders like deeper line central midfielders right and your and one of and a striker right as the linking 10 in the absence of omir fernandez right you're starting to see why you know i mean i, I think this incongruity right this incongruity where we've gotten the ball into the attacking third and then like it doesn't quite go the way that we intended is kind of a product of that, right? You obviously, I think, from my personal view, you have a very capable striker who's good at creating opportunities for himself and Patrick Klamala, right? It's just that the service behind him has been a bit spotty because you don't have 
either you don't have linking players, you don't have you know people who are capable of playing in a final ball, right? Stuff like that. And on the topic of that, you know, I mean, we cannot, you know, I mean, I can't deny that I would have wished that Klimala would take some of those chances better. But the very fact of the matter is that his presence on the field creates, is basically creating most of our offense, right? His ability to drag defenders out wide, the way he times his runs into space, weight, ice. You know, like there are so many times, even in this Atlanta game, right? This Montreal-Atlanta game where I just wished we had someone who was capable of playing the ball in faster, right? Because he was pointing at the ground so much, trying to make these runs in behind. That we yeah. have someone with a bit more incision, you know, like he'd be being played in so much more often than he currently is now. And even that one shot where he hit the crossbar, right? And I can say Atlanta game. I mean, like that's kind of stuff that only happens with a player like him that's just willing to take those kinds of chances, right? Mm -hmm. So I think this is the big question mark going into next season, right? It's how do we solve this conundrum in midfield to try and get the try and put our striker right on a bigger platform to succeed, right? Because I think once we've solved this midfield problem, that's when all the excuses for Klimala can go out the window, right? Once he's getting the service that I think he needs, and also whether or not like he takes advantage of that as a result of that, you know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you, you nailed a lot of the point. I don't know how much I can add to that, but it's sort of like the story of these past two games is not, like, I just don't think we were going to run, like, I feel like after the Montreal game, like, we kind of ran out of that magic sauce. Like, as soon as, like, if we couldn't score in the first half against Atlanta, it just felt like we weren't going to score in the second. You were hoping that they would, but it just feels like we weren't generating enough, like, the kinds of chances that you would imagine. Um... I mean, outside of, like, the shots with Klimala, it's just, like, the easiest, I guess, you know, you have runners off the ball, you run to the byline, the byline, the end line, and then you hit the low cross against, like, look at the goal against New York City FC that Omir scored, right? That's, like, a ball taken to the by yeah. to the end line, you hit it low. And, like, Kyle Duncan was like, yeah, I hit that blind. I'm like, maybe you should do that more often instead of, like, trying to whip in crosses that don't, <laughs> that don't maybe, maybe that'll work for you more often if you could beat a guy on the dribble. I mean, I, I mean, I think I do think that that kind of touches upon something, right? Which is the secondary runs off the ball, right? Yeah. And the, that kind of attacking movement and attacking the box, that's a bit off right now, right? I think the way I envision it is that I think Struber kind of uh, justifies playing those two central midfielders out there, in a, like a Carmona, Clark, and Caceres, and those like wide parts of the of the three, right? And the four, two, three, one behind Klimala yeah. because they were making those kinds of secondary runs early in the season, right? When we were playing under the diamond, because you recall right. how many of our goals early in the season were exactly that, right? Midfielders making the run from deep into space in the box that was opened up by the strikers pulling individuals out wide, right? We recall that. And I think the thing is, is, you know, I think, um, some of that hasn't really quite um, been captured recently, right? I do think that there are elements where there are aspects where the players look a bit gun-shy in making those kinds of runs because I don't really think they really know, like, their timings 
necessarily on when yeah. they can make those kinds of runs when they're played in a more advanced position. I think the only guy um, that's really made a case for himself, I think, uh, in recent weeks is Caden Clark. You know, I think we've been harsh on him, right, ever since his bout with appendicitis. But, you know, I think the, 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 the space interpretation, right, I think he's probably been the past, the best of the midfield over the past two games. Mm-hmm. Once again, that interpretation is space. And it's not just in the fact that he's making these secondary runs, right? It's the counter-pressing stuff as well, which is a big indicator, I think, the counter-pressing movements of a player that understands where he's supposed to be on the field at any given time, right? And the fact that he's looking like a menace in the press once again, you know, I think um, is a really good advertisement for him. You know, and I think um, another thing that's kind of interfering with that, you know, I think Fabio doesn't really look very comfortable, right, in this, uh, you know, in this role as a 10, necessarily. And I never thought we'd be in a situation where the lack of Amir Fernandez, right, is uh, causing squeaky bum time for the season. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, who, who would have thought... Right, literally the only guy that's capable of like doing the linking combination and like uh, secondary running in that um, and making those secondary runs in that ten rule. Right, Omir is such a crafty is a very crafty player who knows how to interpret that space and knows how to create opportunities for himself, like grilling off the space that other people create. You know, and I think um, so far we haven't seen anyone who's base, who has been able to replicate that that same role. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, with a striker like Fabio, I mean, like, uh, I think he's, I think a, I think a player like him isn't really. I'm starting to sour on him playing as like a, with a, you know, playing as a facilitator, because as we know, like playing as a central attacking midfielder is oftentimes less dynamic than, say, as a striker where you're leading the line and you have more license to go make runs, right? Yeah. To stretch the midfield. Whereas as a attacking midfielder, like I think you're kind of as in a more withdrawn role, you're sort of sort of playing a bit more static, for the lack of a better word. I mean, I don't know yeah. if I'm really phrasing what I want to say. Like we need to, we need to show him clips of Peggy Louie and Dula. Like this is what you need to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like even Riquelme, I guess. <laughs> nah, no. Um, no, because like Peggy Peggy used to be a striker, and then like we're like, oh, this guy can't finish for shit. And then we kind of moved him into midfield. And I'm like, wow, this guy is this guy is a classy operator. Yeah, no, that was the cool thing about like 2000, like for Peggy's 2014 run, right? Is that uh, what is it? The holdup play was great. Uh, the he had some really nice dribbles. He played some really nice passes. The the incisive like diagonal passes and the guys like streaking in a space behind him were like really really nice to see. Right, like every everything we expected Juninho to be, it was Peggy Lugan Dula. Yeah, that's just the uh, Paris Saint Germain uh, quality, you guys. It, it yes. always shines through. When the, the cream when the, always when, rises to the top. When that club used to be cool. Yeah, when they used to have guys like JJ Akacha. Right. Not, n- none of this fucking bullshit. Like, what the hell's yeah. a Neymar? I don't. I've never heard a Neymar in my life. <laughs> he sucks and is bad. I don't care. Uh, anyway, back to players that actually matter. Um, Fabio. Yeah. Um, We've touched upon it, I think, in recent weeks, right? I think the hold at play has kind of suffered as a result of this, right? Because I think, you know, once again, we seem to have two strikers who excel the most at 
stretching the play by making incisive runs in behind, right? From like central channels out to slightly wider channels, right? To open up that space in midfield. And I think there were times this game where you could kind of see Fabio and Klimala like kind of getting in each other's spaces, trying to make the same runs, you know? And I think in a way, in a way, like, this is one of those things, right? Like results from recruiting for a formation that you eventually abandoned halfway through the season because it just simply wasn't working with yeah. the personnel that we haven't had. Right. Yeah, yeah. This is unfortunately one of those things that will happen, right? Fabio will end up looking a bit lost, I think, because he can't make the runs that he needs to be, that he prefers to be making. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think his uh, hold-up play suffers from that because he can't really... He's not interpreting the space that he wants, right, to be an effective weapon, I think. What if we need to switch Klimala and, and Fabio's numbers for next season? Would that do it? Um, <laughs> or would well, you, you know, to the, Engl- the, to the English number 10 <laughs> striker? Oh, you know, it's... Uh, what is it? Like, uh, we, we, uh, uh, from what I recall, right... Um, I've kind of I've kind of been brought up in this vintage, right? Nine is for the big lad who wins everything in the air, and ten is for like the short, fast dude who likes to run at goal, right? If I <laughs> if I look at yeah, I if, so. if I if I look at the sizes, I mean, I guess Klimala is not very small. He is certainly very fast, but he's definitely not small, right? Uh, and Fabio, well, I mean, I think the deal is that he just can't win anything in the air. Right. Despite his size, which is unfortunate. And I think, uh, you know, I, I, I do think that this is... Now you're kind of seeing why the team was interested in the target forward over the summer, right? Because I still do think that vertical play is going to be a big part of uh, this team's, you know, attempts in building up play, right? You're still going to very much go vertical. I think... So the very fact that they're looking at target forwards, right? Guys who can win aerial deals with a much larger clip and offer more as an aerial presence, right? I think that's sort of like what they're looking more as, more from as a pivot in the attacking third. Yeah, you know? yeah, it was, it like, you did, even it, that's even still part of the game plan now. Like, I remember multiple times during the game in Atlanta, and I guess you could talk about other times, but I know, like, noticing is, like, especially with Clark on the field, there were lots of times where, like, the ball goes up to Fabio from the back line. And you see, like, just off his shoulder, you see uh, Clark trying to make those runs in behind because that's the idea, but, like, just not being able to pull it off. Yeah. And, you know, the only, like, like the deal is, I'm, I'm sorry that we have to bring it back to this again, but, you know, Omir is the only guy that I've seen <laughs> of doing that. We have a guy like Omir on the roster. His name is Frankie Amaya, but I don't think he's, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think he's been slotted into that role very frequently. Yeah. Um, I, I guess uh, now we have a question, but I mean, like now that Klimal is not available, right, for the tie against Nashville. I mean, I do think we do have the personnel that's um, on hand to uh, mediate that, right? I think potential fix could be something like, you know, Fabio obviously slops into Klimala's striker. That's in for Klimala's striker. He gets to make those runs, right? While Clark plays as a 10 behind him. I guess uh, you know. I guess you're playing Caceres and Carmona, flanking him, sticking yeah. with Davis and Yearwood. Uh, it's like the uh, double pivot. Mm-hmm. I mean, but yeah. So 
Um, I think that's the deal, right? I think, uh, I think, um, I think some of the criticism, I think that's been levied, I think towards, um, Klimala that I've observed. I mean, some food for thought naturally would be the fact that, yes, I agree. I think the finishing could be better at times, right? Um, there are definitely some big chances that he should be, you know, putting away more. But the fact of the matter is that I think the guy's potency, right, is something that's gone a bit underappreciated so far, right? And I think I'm sorry that I have to pull this out, um, but. I think if you look at the charts, some of the numbers that have been put put on my plate recently, um, you know, I think uh, when you look at the top pre-shot XG contributions, right, top 10 players in the league, you know, you'll find most of your usual suspects there. You'll find Valentin Castellanos will be number one. I think uh, Raul Ruiz Diaz is there as well. But coming in at number six is none other than Patrick Klimala himself. Right. What does, and what does that, that, uh, that metric measure? And what that metric measures basically is the quality of um, the shots, right? No, sorry. The quality of the chances that were created, right, when he decides to take a shot. So how XG is basically measured, right, is that it's an aggregation of, um, it's an aggregation of the average chances, right, of an average chance, of an average likelihood of a chance being turned into a goal. So um, basically, if I aggregate a position on the field where a shot was taken, right, and I notice how often five, that becomes a goal. Yeah, it's how often that becomes a goal. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's effectively a percentage measure expressed in a factor of one, right? Mm -hmm. So zero point zero five xg basically means that it's a goal five percent of the time from any given shot. And as we know, like in soccer, it's just so much harder to score, right? Yeah. Like, there is no such thing as, like, unless you're practically, like, right in front of goal, like, it's statistically unlikely that even within the box, you'll see XG measures of over, like, 0 0.2, 0 0.3, right? Even in certain parts of the 18-yard box, just because, you know, that's just how it is. But the fact of the matter is, is, you know, I think um, it... What the number, what that number indicates to us, Patrick Klamala being sixth in the league when it comes to pre-shot XG, right, is that he is creating this, I think, some of the highest quality chances, right, in the league at a rather, at a pretty decent clip, right? He's basically putting himself in really decent positions to score. And what's affecting him, right, is basically, um, you know, the quality of the subsequent shots that he decides to take, right? It indicates someone who, and in a way, you know, I've always liked to use the numbers to back up, uh, you know, some qualitative observations if it's necessary. And this is one of those situations where that definitely applies, right? It definitely feeds into what we've observed about Klimala on this podcast, what we talked about over the course of the season, right? Like, we know that something about him makes it seem like he's always in... He's always, you know, in a position to score or take advantage, or he's generating a ton of offense by himself. It's just that for whatever reason, you know, he's had the finishing yips for most of the season, right? It's like, uh, I think about Vinicius, you know, you know, like I think that was such a good thing to touch upon that last uh, week. You know, I think uh, it's, it's one of those things that highlights to me how quickly, you know, Season to season, finishing variants can wildly defer, right? Yeah. 
a guy's not cooked one year because, uh, you know, he doesn't find the back of the net enough, right? We remember Timo Werner was also underperforming his, his pre-shot XG by a significant clip and then went on to have, like, an insane run of RB Leipzig, right? Like, that's one other example that I can use. And the fact of the matter is that people forget that Klimala is still 23 years old in his first season in MLS, right? Mm-hmm. Like, not every guy you bring in, especially guys at that age, are going to hit the ground running from the go. And even then, like, he's contributed, what, eight goals and, what, seven assists? Something like that. It's either a goal or an assist, like, uh, yeah. it's, it's either a goal or an assist almost, like, every, what, probably 100-something minutes. And that's pretty mm-hmm. decent in production i mean you know and we have like a history in this league of just like strikers not performing in their first season yeah i mean uh even uh, even at this club like bradley wright phillips in his first season not to compare clemala to bradley wright phillips but it's like uh who 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 could have thought yeah i mean like that's the deal you know and uh you know i think uh what is it the, compar- the, like, uh, the comparisons I've seen make thrown will be to Adam Buxa and the like, but Buxa's had more time in the league and he's much older. Right. That's just simply how it is, right? Like, I think of a 23-year-old Polish striker, right? We're finishing goals at a much more regular clip. He wouldn't be in MLS. Quimel is in MLS right now because his finishing isn't really there, but, you know, I think that's what he's here for, right? He's here to develop that facet of his game. You know, he's already got the off-ball movement down pat, and he already generates a high amount of chances per game. Like, a, he generates chances for himself at a pretty decent clip every game. You know, it's, now it's just a matter of um, finding the back of the net with more um, regularity. One other thing that I want to point out is the fact that, you know, I think this is measured by his post-shot XG, with post-shot XG basically measuring the quality of the subsequent shot that you have to take. And, you know, I think it's uh, when you compare the difference between the two, like he's, I think, the number one of the league in the difference between pre-shot and post-shot XG, which kind of indicates that the shot quality that he's taking from those positions isn't great. But number four in the league, I think number four or number five in the league is Valentin Castellanos, who is <laughs> leading, who has a similar negative numbers, right? Here's the deal. The difference between Klimala and Castellanos is that NYCFC have a better midfield than we do, that generate a higher volume of chances than we do mm-hmm. every single game. Right. And that's why I think the difference between us and them is that like it's very frustrating because our chances feel like more, feel more monumental because our exactly. chances don't really come by as regularly as NYCFC's. Yeah. Right. Castellanos has more opportunities to redeem himself in an average game than we do because he gets better service from his midfield. And that is why I am not prepared to give up on Patrick Lamola. Give him a midfielder next year. Give him the service that he needs. If he continues to not perform with a better midfield behind him, then okay, fair enough. But I think with what we have on hand right now, as a team that's kind of playing a bit with a bit of incongruity in a midfield setup, right, by shoehorning a bunch of central midfielders into an advanced attacking line, Right, that's not really doing our forwards any favors. Same can be applied to Fabio. Right, Fabio is not producing because he's not being put into a role that suits his, you know, that suits his strengths. But this is the result of, you know, just 
China, this is a, this is a result of a midseason shuffle, basically. When plan A doesn't work, you go to plan B, and now the plan B requires different things from different players. Naturally, things will be lost in the shuffle. You know? That's how it is. That's just soccer sometimes. Not every guy that pulls out, that's just soccer for you, really. I mean, like... <laughs> but Lens, there are other strikers in this league who are scoring more goals than Klimala. Why Why he no score goals? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, at the end of the day, when I look at us and I look at the Vancouver Whitecaps, I would 100% prefer to the be The what? Us. Like the team from <laughs> NASL? Yeah. <laughs> the team yeah. that Paul Mariner played for or whatever? Uh, I, I, I think we're talking about the, uh, what is it? We're talking about Volkswagen Football Club. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Vancouver. Isn't that the team that folded after Eric Hasley left? Uh, no, I think they. I think they were managed by a Welsh bin man for a bit, but then, uh, yeah, he upped and left. Uh, <laughs> wonder what happened uh, there. Yeah, hey guys, here's a name for you. Remember Kakuta Mane? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> here's another name that MLS heads will recognize: Freddie Montero. Whoa. Here's here's <laughs> another one: uh, Alfonso Davies. Oh wow. Oh, how about a uh, Camilo Sanvezo? Whoa, Camilo! Wow. How about how about David Cumiento? <laughs> that's not that's not that's not a real name. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> he was. No, yeah, no. He I'm was like, kidding. okay. I'm just kidding. God, it's my Sorry. irony bits. My God, does nobody no, no does nobody understand irony in this day and age anymore? It was From an Switzerland. Uplifting, that's not a real country. It was an uplifting. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> if such things exist. I don't know. Um, where was I? Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, oh, I'm not going to get involved in the whole Brian White discourse, you know. I mean, I think ultimately for me, you know, he's some players are just simply better fits for what other teams want to do. You know, I don't necessarily think it's an indictment on our ability to utilize talent. If one guy leaves, you know, and just finds a better fit with another team, a team I might add that is in flux with an interim manager. And isn't playing anything particularly complex or sophisticated, yeah. right? I mean, the deal for me is, is you know, I mean, some guys will just literally find themselves in a situation like that in a f- team that's entirely in flux and thrive because there are just so many other, there are otherwise so many unknowns about where they are. You know, I think if Whitey keeps it up, good for him. He found a better club where he's allowed to thrive. And if he doesn't, well, then I think a lot of ticks are going to end up looking foolish in a few months. We can only tell once Vancouver uh, bring in their bring in their new manager. I think that has a better idea of how they want to play. But for now, you have to remember that this is a team that's entirely in flux. And certain players will just simply find themselves doing better because the demands that are placed in them aren't as complex. In context of our system, I think Patrick Lamola is doing most of the things that we're asking for him. Um, and you know, I think simply for a player like Brian White that wasn't really a fit anymore, getting what we could for him was good. He was the only striker in the, on the market that had any semblance of market value. 400k at TAM for a return, that's not so bad. Right? <laughs> and sometimes this would be that you get 400k at TAM and the guy goes else elsewhere and succeeds. It's because he just simply finds himself in a good situation that plays to his liking. You weren't going to get this out of Brian White at this club. 
and Brian White wasn't going to be doing these things for this team. That's just how soccer is. Sometimes guys just go on to other places and they fit those situations better. I mean, like, I'm not going to cry over it. <laughs> Vancouver or Western Conference team, I don't give a fuck. I'm a fan of the New York Red Bulls, basically, is what I'm going to say. I'm anyway, a fan of the New York Red Bulls. Yeah. So good on him. Good on I mean, I'm happy for Brian White, no doubt. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think that kind of... Kind of, that's kind of my thing for me, right? And I think uh, if you put a better midfield behind Patrick Klumalo, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think he's got that potential. So I think, you know, way too soon to be saying that he's done or he's cooked, you know. Like uh, even some of the other examples I see like being thrown out, like, you know, I mean, they just simply have so much more help than we do. Like what incisive playmaking midfielder is there on this team right now that you can point to, right? The same way uh, what... Castellanos has Maxi Morales, the same way, uh, you know. Adam Buxa has uh, Adam Buxa Gil. has Carlos Gil, yeah, um, Carlos Gil. Same way Raul Ruiz Diaz has this guy called Nicolas Lodero. Maybe you've heard of him. He's still pretty good, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't believe I'm out here saying this, but yeah, we got to sign a big time. <laughs> got to sign a big attacking midfielder, I think. <laughs> Siad Haksabanovic, please. I still Where believe. You Do you are you enjoying Russia? Would you rather? Would you rather? You can get the same food out here in New Jersey, probably. Yeah, like Siad, I'll, I'll bring you to Brighton Beach myself. I mean, I don't know anything <laughs> about it. I'll probably like die, but uh, we we can go to Brighton Beach together. <laughs> Surely, yeah. You know, I had a, I had a. I had blini, I think, for the first time a couple days ago. That was really tasty, yeah. Like, uh, oh, nice. like an, as an A-side, I think uh, farmer's cheese is a... And a, and a, farmer's cheese is one of those things that... Uh, I can't believe Russians have been hiding from us this whole time. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I dig it. And it's really easy to do at home, apparently. But I'm not going to make a giant mess out of my kitchen to do it. So, anyway... Um, that being said, um, yeah, uh, let me think. I don't know, does anything stand out to you over the course of the game? I think we've touched upon most of the things, right? I mean, it really is. It's like, I know we're going into this game in Nashville, and uh, we basically could have made the playoffs with a result against Atlanta. And, like, the pessimist in me, which is not a whole lie. I don't live my life this way, but it's sort of like, uh, this, this game was the chance to like get the result in a, in a high pressure situation and they couldn't do it despite it being a little bit easier at home and they couldn't, you know, they didn't, they did, they failed at it essentially. Um, and so now we're in this situation where that's even tougher that we have to do this away from home at a team that, um, is gets better results than us over the course of the year. Uh, has only lost, I think, four times, although one of them was to us. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that was that was a really fun 2-0 win at home, I got to say. I mean, that was, Oh, yeah, uh, man. That Fabio goal, man. Fabio goal was good. We had some nice open attacking soccer from both teams, right? Like, Oh, the, yeah. The game flowed so well. Got to see Alex Muel again. Got to see Alex Muel. Honey Mukhtar, um, I got to say, is a pretty sick player. That dude's a baller, man. Yeah, he can fucking go, dude. Like yeah. that's such a great get for him. Like, yeah, 
it'll be that that's an interesting challenge going into this game because we know the story of this team right now is that the defense is really good but the attack is 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 kind of faltering so um it's be interesting to see like how this team matches up against uh a team you know i I don't think i don't think i I wouldn't say that like oh nashville is like scoring goals for fun but they are getting results where they need to yeah Um, i mean at the very least of uh wins and and mostly draws what you were saying yeah, I mean, like, uh, the, I mean, that's the book in Nashville, right? I mean, I think basically we know, right? The old adage goes, "Hard to beat," maybe not necessarily like, like hard, like like hard to beat, right? Means that at the very least, like, it's hard to get a win against them. Mm-hmm. Get a draw, I mean, that's fine. You can get a draw pretty easily against Nashville, but get, beating them outright, I think uh, a lot of that goes down to the fact that. You know, I think there's a unit, right? They're just so cohesive defending, right? Classic 4-4-2, which is a sign that time is a flat circle, right? You know, <laughs> 4-4-2 coming back in vogue is a really uh, well-favored defensive formation because of its ability to keep compact, flexible lines, right? Yes, I, both vertically you know, but also uh, laterally. Yeah, vertically and laterally in a mid-to-low block. You know, I think that's what Gary Smith sets his Nashville team up to do. Right, and as a result of killers and uh, killers in defense, right, and team defense like Alex Wheel, right, available to him, right. That just makes that kind of style of play like so much more potent, right. I mean, it reminds me of uh, when Nigel Pearson had a. When, it reminds me of Nigel Pearson's Leicester, right. And I mean, they didn't play a four four two necessarily, but they played in a four two three one, and they just ran hard like all game, like running dudes ragged. I think there wasn't. There would be like Vardy would be leading the line, but there would be times where they'd switch between that and like a four four two with him and Okazaki, right? Yeah. And the way that those two just pressed the fuck out of everyone while they were like, while they weren't in possession with a, you know, their midfield behind them doing a ton of ton of like groundwork. I mean, that's exactly the kinds of uh, those are the kinds of things that can actually get you pretty far in modern day soccer, right? Yeah. And, and to Nashville's credit, it's not just like, they've been rolling out the four four two in a few games, but like I think they've also been doing the three center backs with wing backs formations, and um, like a four four one one where like Hani, Mo- but like the important part is like Hani Mukhtar is always like playing off of a striker in front of him. Yeah, and you know, I mean, he's got that Red Bull DNA, right? <laughs> you, you definitely see that when he uh, when you see him in action, right? That one year that he spent on loan with Salzburg, uh, right? Know, like. <laughs> You know, a hell of a get for him. You gotta say, like the way he's thrived. Um, you know, so that's kind of like the book that's going in here, right? I mean, um, I think uh, before we delve into Nash, yeah, I mean, basically, when you had put two teams that are tough to crack against each other, right? I think the the margins are gonna be even finer, right? A team that's already deciding most of your games by very fine margins, like that's the chances are going to be even harder to come by, I imagine. Which means that we this is this is our final exam. Basically, we've solved the defense, we've solved the base of the midfield. Now it's down to the attack to be clinical when it counts. Right mm-hmm. when the chance comes, you have to take it. You know, I mean, have to use sports dad adages here, but that's basically what it comes down to. Right, 
go have to go into this game assuming that we're only going to have one chance to win it and you yeah. have to take it when the time comes mm-hmm. right so is at this point in post that I'd like him to start playing eight mile over sorry lose <laughs> yourself lose yourself sorry I want to play lose yourself <laughs> You, you know what the problem is, is that once he starts playing it, like wh- you, there will be at least five players who know the lyrics by heart, and one of them is going to be Andrew Gutman. <laughs> yeah, no, he's got that. He's got that meek finance bro energy, right? Where he's like listening to every rap song in like the history of. Uh, right. Man, yeah, we had it. We had heart. the video of him rapping uh, uh, Biggie on the butt. Yeah, Juicy yeah. The plane. Yeah, that was sick. so. Uh, Such a finance bro song to know how to do. <laughs> No, it's like uh, you know. I I hope uh, I hope uh, he won't be rapping suicidal thoughts on the on, oh, on the plane home, <laughs> or everyday struggle is like I don't want to live no more. Sometimes I feel death knocking at my front door. I'm like, no, no, oh, oh no. <laughs> the whole team's like, oh no, Andrew's doing that thing again. <laughs> you forget this is a man who lived in Cincinnati. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, not much other stimulation. I mean, what are you going to do? Go see a fucking Zach Brown band concert? Fuck out of here, dude. <laughs> Dave Matthews bands. Oh, well, this fuck shit. I don't know. What are oh, they even God. doing in Ohio for fun? God. God. I don't know. Lord only knows. I don't even know if Zach Brown band is still a thing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway. But- Let's move on to stocks, all right? Let, let's let's do the stocks for the last two games. I, I realize that we basically neglected to talk about Montreal, but like it doesn't really fucking matter. <laughs> Who cares? Is basically yeah. my take on the Montreal game. Yeah, we won yeah, both one games. We yeah, both games we kind of just like uh, running the teams down and just trying to trying to score one goal, and it's just one game it happened, and the other game it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. That is a lizard for me. Okay, so anyway, stocks. Stock up. Caden Clark, for sure. I think he's got himself back on track. He looks really, yeah, really definitely. good again. Good stuff, Caden. Uh, I think uh, I'm not really sure if his dad even listens to this podcast anymore, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Anyway, right. anyway um, shout out. Shout out. Um, yeah, Caden Clark gets a stock up for me. Um, I will give a stock up to. Um, Let's see. I think I'll give a stock up to. Mm, I'll give a stock up to um, John Tolkien for obvious reasons. I think uh, the left channels looked a lot more cohesive. I think with him there in that left wing, left hand side. Yeah. But I think uh, you know, giving John Tolkien a stock up at this point of the season is like, like you know. Yeah. At a certain point, we're gonna. At a certain point, we're gonna have to give like stocks for the whole season or yeah. something like that. I mean, if anything, like I think stocks are gonna. I think his stock basically remains at the level that it was. I wouldn't even really say up. So, everybody, I presume, will get. I think basically, I'm at this point where everybody on the team maintains their stock, save for I think uh, you know I think save Fabio. Unfortunately, uh, I will knock Klimala a little bit for his finishing woes. Not too much because I am still convinced that you have a really, really good player there that's just waiting to be unlocked with a good midfield, right? So Klimala gets a minor stock down for me, um, and I think I'll give a stock down to. 
Well, I don't know. I don't think anyone's really shut the bed too hard over the last two games, really. I mean, the stock down for me would be uh, the the attack as a collective, probably. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's basically where, where we're at. Not really down to anyone, individual or another. I don't know. Any, anything for you particularly egregious that you'd like to address? Uh... I don't think so. I'm at this point of the season where like I'm like, well, either the season ends soon or we get a few extra bonus games. Yeah. That's basically what they are, right? I mean like like playoffs playoffs are playoffs. Playoff things happen in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. I've stopped getting mad over them, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like what would I'm thinking, like, if we miss the playoffs, would it suck? I'm like, personally, no, because I don't really give a shit about the playoffs. But it would suck just the vibe about the fan base and the usual suspects taking a victory lap when this team doesn't make the playoffs for, you know, the, the whatever streak of making the playoffs in the in, in, in the New York City area is. But, yeah, I don't – it's not uh, – it's, it, it's disappointing in as much as, like, not making the playoffs. is like that was, like, a very visible, tangible goal for the team to make despite the team having, like, midseason doldrums. Um, but, like, coming close, it's like I feel much better where the team is now even if we don't make the playoffs than we were last season and we kind of just, like, fluked our way into shit. Yeah, it's the deal for me is that obviously, like, I would consider it a bit of a failure if we don't qualify for the playoffs just simply because of, like, how easy it is, right, to qualify for yeah. the playoffs in this league. Um, my my thing is is that, you know, I mean, I thought this was looking dead in the water, like, basically two months ago, right? Yeah. There was no direction. It was putrid. We were struggling to put up, create anything against the likes of fucking Chicago and Cincinnati, right? Like, that was, like, blackpilling. <laughs> <laughs> Quite frankly, that was blackpilling. We but were, now, we listen, you know... We were listening to Midwestern emo every night. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, um, let's see. So, like, um, see, like, the thing is for me is that, you know, fast forward a few weeks, and now I think, right, that there is a foundation for next year that we can build on. Right, that's sort of been the, the storyline for the second half of the season for me, is that this project isn't actually dead in the water, right? I think our defense alone is enough of a foundation, right, for a really, really good team, right? They're stingy. They have got to, they have guys who basically cover a ton of ground and win deals at a great clip, right? Fantastic out of your center back formation center-back pairing, and you can configure between two to three center-back lineups pretty flexibly, right? That's the foundation for the team, right? Even the double pivot is Sean Davis and Drew Yearwood as well, right? They've really helped with that midfield spacing, looking less porous in midfield. Um, but, you know, I think, um, yeah, so that's the thing for me, right? I mean, uh, the very fact that we're even back in the playoff push to begin with, right, and we go into the weekend with a win or a draw deciding our destiny, right? Basically being able to claim our own destiny by playing for a draw, even maybe sneaking out with a win. And even I'd like to point out that a home playoff game isn't mathematically impossible. Yeah. It is highly unlikely, but it, you know, it could happen. I wouldn't hold my breath on it. It could happen, but it could happen still. 
you know, that, you know, all things, all things considered, right? I mean, I think I've, I, I'm with you on that front, right? I mean, I'm obviously in a lot, I'm a lot higher on this team than I was, like, maybe, say, when we were talking in, like, August to September and the doldrums of that really putrid summer run, right? Yeah. Like, uh, where, yeah. And we don't need, really need to litigate those days. But now we talked about there being a semblance of a plan week to week being reintroduced. And you're starting to see that again, right? And even now, um, compared to where we were in August and September, even the chances are coming by more frequently again. So that we haven't taken them, right? Yeah. Defense is good. Midfield is, midfield is a work in progress. Attack will get there when the midfield turns itself out. So... You know, the deal is, is um, I would obviously like for them to make the playoffs. I would still consider not making the playoffs uh, an indictment, right? I don't think we should be proud of missing the playoffs because of how easy it is. But that should also not negate from the fact that we have a foundation for something, right? With a few good transfers that could be really, really good next year, right? And also on top of that, the outlook for this team for most of the talking heads in media were like, what, 13th, 12th, whatever have you. I mean, the 10th or something, 8th. Yeah. And obviously I'm not going to put, but, but, you know, I mean, like that aside, I'm not going to put MLS, like owning MLS digital as like a trophy for the year, because obviously I would like nothing would own people more than actually going out and shit housing your way like to a trophy. So, you know, I would like for us to at least put ourselves in that position. You know, I don't consider it a win necessarily that we've already flown in the face of what were very low expectations from media folks in any way. Like, why are we like giving them so much stock to what they think about this fucking team? We all know they're idiots. So <laughs> <laughs> why do you have to lend them a platform? Why do you have to lend them any credence? Like, <laughs> quite frankly, as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you, but I'm also not with you, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I get you. Yeah. I would like for us to make the playoffs, but I'm not going to throw all my toys out the pram, right? Because I right. guess um, I think people, uh, a pretty good point was brought up, I think, to me a couple of days ago that if this is the way that we're going to be playing for a playoff run, like, I don't know. I want to be able to enjoy a playoff run. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> Rather than just kind of Futs your way through it. Although I would guess it would be would enjoy me in a way if we do shit house away one nil in every game to winning the damn thing. So I liken it to uh, like Scotland qualifying for a major tournament. Like, are we going to win this? I don't know, but like qualifying for it is pretty good. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I mean, it's fair considering where we were again, right? Two months ago. Right. Exactly. So and it's like I think the point is of like missing the playoffs and sort of like doing a uh, uh, doing a debrief of why we did. And it's just like, it's just like losing, like dropping two games to Chicago or whatever, dropping a game to, uh, to Toronto, like teams that teams that suck. Have having one fit center back and that fit center back being Amro Tarek would probably right. rank. Just look, looking at all the teams well. below us on the table and seeing how many we dropped points to. And it's like, Ooh. yeah, that, that, that that's just straight up distressing. Like even even outside of like freak results, like we like 
just two if like if we if we get if we snatch points in two of those games if we snatch like six points against Chicago then you know yeah here's the deal right I mean like the Chicago results piss me off the most because now they're going into their last regular season game about like six or seven players without six <laughs> players they're just like oh yeah our season's <laughs> over your lease is done uh, the landlord's outside. Uh, uh, Calvo, uh, Francisco Calvo, you can just go to Costa Rica right now, pal. There's nothing for you. <laughs> we, 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 we bought a one-way ticket to Costa Rica. <laughs> just, 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 go, just go help Los Ticos and World Cup qualifying, pal. It's okay. Right. We, we got this. Like, yeah. I don't know, but, but, you know, like nothing was more maddening for me than like tying, tying Cincinnati at home. Like zero zero, like what the fuck, dude? Seriously? Yeah, the nil nil draws uh, are not great. Yeah. It's like I don't know uh, where they rank on. I like like the the peak of nil nil draws at home was is the DC one in 2019, just because of the immortalized picture at the end of the game yeah. No, yeah. of the South Ward. Um, was it worse that? I don't think it, that was much worse because it was just a feeling of hopelessness. Even the the game against Atlanta, it just felt like, oh, we could sneak a point. We just got to do it. And then, and then against DC, that game, it was just like, oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> it it's bleak. a funny picture, though. I still laugh every time I see it. I have it on my phone. It yeah. I, it makes me laugh every time I see it. I think you're Fernando's face is uh, the uh, crux of the whole picture. But every time oh I God. look at it now, I see something new. It's so good. I discover something new in that photo yeah. every single time. It's amazing. Just <laughs> the perfect tableau. Perfect, the perfect vibes. Yeah, just just perfect vibes. Uh, anyway, um, I think we'll just wrap. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap up the episode, I guess, with uh, you know relitigating some of the stuff that we talked about in Nashville, right? About what we have to do in order to uh, get a result. And really, I think, um, like we said, right, tough team to beat, especially on the road. I don't think they've. If I'm not mistaken, um, <clears throat> they have a really good home record. If I'm not mistaken, isn't this something like they haven't like they haven't lost a game all season at home or something like that? Like I can't remember. Um. Oh, I know it's an overall home. Yeah, it's an, they had a, they had a really long home undefeated streak, but I don't know if I they have not lost at home. Yeah, they have not lost at home, right? Me, I mean, they, you know, eight, eight wins, eight draws. Eight wins, eight draws. Yeah. Well, at the home. deal is, is uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, a win or a draw gets us in, and I think uh, a loss can as well in certain scenarios, right? If I'm not mistaken. Oh, I don't want that to happen. But I obviously do not want to lose this fucking game, right? Yeah. I don't. I don't want to have to look at score sheets. I don't want to score watch. I don't want to scoreboard watch. Like I, I do not care about other teams in this league. I don't. Yeah, uh, we're the same, right? We, our destiny is in our hands, so we have to go seize it. Basically, is right. what, is basically what I'm at, right? Like so. Um, the key for us, obviously, is dealing with that um, three-headed um, monster, right? Of uh, Randall Leal, CJ Sapong, and uh, Hani Mukhtar. Hani Mukhtar, right? Well, also trying to find a way to crack that low to mid block that uh, Gary Smith has been deploying to great measure, right? And I think if the Atlanta game is any indication by, um, you know, we can, we do have ways of breaking down teams that are sitting back defensively, right? And playing on counterattacks. We do have ways of dealing with that. Our defenders in the Atlanta game snuffed them on the transition every single time, right? And I think Andre Reyes was a huge 
There was that one one-on-one deal that I think Sean Nealis won that was really, really good. We have guys yeah. that are cap- perfectly capable of dealing with counterattacks in that manner. Yeah. Right? Um, if there's any indication is that we will have chances, chances will present themselves against teams that are playing defensively against this, right? It's just going to have to be a matter of us seizing it, right? Will there, I mean, Patrick Lamala's absence will be felt, I'm sure, but, you know, you do have a backup in Fabio who plays the same way and likes to make the same kind of runs. So, you know, I mean, I think... Uh, a lot of responsibility is going to be resting on him, especially now that he's being restored to like his favorite role, right? So, you know, I mean, I, I do think that there are grounds, right, for us to get a result on the road against Nashville that puts us in the playoffs, right? Uh, so, you know, um, all of that in time will be revealed uh, Sunday um, morning, right? I think for me. No, it'll be For Monday yes. morning. Jesus Christ. Sunday oh, yeah. afternoon, right? 4 p.m. Yeah. Yeah, so, yep. Unfortunately, that's another kickoff that I'm not going to be able to make because, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, 4 a.m. on a work day? Are you kidding me? Like, I can't do that, dude. Like, <laughs> that's that's me looking at the J-League kickoff times like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just watching the highlights and uh, people are nice enough to send me, like, clips and tape delay. That's basically where we're at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah. I think to close out Metro Fan TV this week, my 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 philosophy is very simple: just win. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I really got to say. Yeah. Have any closing thoughts to close out the episode, sir? Uh, we have a goal in mind, and the goal is is so clear, it's so sharp, like a knife in this moment. <laughs> Which uh, flavor Red Bull did he drink at the press conference today? Today? I know he was saying he had a choice between the red or the blue one or whatever. Something like that. Or like mm. the... But I don't remember which one. Well, I certainly uh, hope... Uh, I mean, I certainly hope that there'll be a commiserative toast, I think, <laughs> after the game. That's for sure. I would be rather upset that we're not. Uh, but anyway, like... Uh, yeah, just win. <laughs> I don't just know. win, baby. I don't have a joke for that. Just win. <laughs> just win. Just like, just yeah. be like, yeah, you guys have you. You guys have lost before. That didn't. That that didn't feel good. So do the opposite of that. Yes, please do the opposite of losing. Do the opposite <laughs> so of that, losing, so that the fans can be the opposite of sad. Yes. <laughs> At least for the moment. <laughs> Everything is only temporary, Juan. Everything yes. that you feel is just. Is fleeting. It'll fade eventually. E. In fact, I am forgetting how I feel right now. Wow. Perpetually. Yeah. And that note. <laughs> we- <laughs> All these moments in time will be lost like tears and rain. At your fan TV. <laughs> saying goodnight.